So on your handout, if you've got that handy, or if you're on the Bible app and you're looking at the notes at the top, Frederick Beekner said this, year after year, the ancient tale of what happened is told, raw, preposterous, holy, and year after year, the world in some measure stops to listen. The word became flesh and dwelt among us, full of grace and truth. And then he adds this thought, a dream as old as time, and if it's true, it's the chief of all truths. But if it's not true, it is of all the truths, the one that people would most like to be true if they could make it so. The story of Christmas, if it's not true, it's the one that if everyone could, this is the one that they would make true, right? You know why? It's because of what the story means. If this is true, if the story of Jesus' birth, God becoming man, if this is true, what it means to us, which is why we're looking at the prophecy from Isaiah 700 years before Jesus was born. He talks about what the Messiah is going to be like. And so he tells us in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, let's read this out loud together, okay? For to us a child is born, and to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. Listen, if you're here for the first time or the first time in a long time or this is one of your first times here, thanks for being with us today. Thanks for sharing today with us. You know, last week we looked at what it means to say that Jesus is a wonderful counselor. And if you missed that, I want to encourage you to go to uh, our website and check that out. And if you're watching this online, thanks for joining us there. You know what my hope is for you? My hope is that uh, there is a church nearby you that can help you honor Jesus with how you live your life. And so... Uh, if there is one, I hope you'll connect with them soon. And if you live in our area, uh, I hope you'll join us. If not on a Sunday morning, maybe Christmas Eve will open up, and either Monday or Tuesday night, uh, you'll be able to join us for a Christmas Eve service. Um, thanks for letting us be an encouragement to you. This week, we're looking at what it means to say that Jesus is the mighty God. And there's two pieces to it. And the first one is super obvious. You already know this, but I want to make sure you write this down. The first one is this, Jesus is a powerful God. So just it's just a reminder. The Bible uses the word omnipotent, uh, which means all-powerful. And it means that anything in the universe that can be accomplished with power, Jesus can do. When John Ortberg talks about God's power, he says his favorite passage in the Bible on this topic is Psalm 29. So we're going to look at that just a little bit. It's this poem that uh, David, uh, the greatest king that Israel ever knew, ever knew, the shepherd boy who became the king. This is a, a psalm that he wrote, a song that he wrote. Look at what it says, Psalm 29, verse 3. The voice of the Lord was over the waters. The God of glory thunders. The Lord thunders over the mighty waters. So David is describing a thunderstorm that's hovering over the Mediterranean Sea, uh, and it's very powerful, and it's beginning to move on land. That's what he's talking about. So the storm is about to come on shore, and it's about to rumble through the desert. Now, David, as a shepherd, knows what it's like to be alone in the desert when a storm, a desert storm, just rages through on him. Ortberg says a desert storm is one of the most spectacular displays of the power of nature that you will ever uh, witness. And he's using this word picture. David is using this word picture to liken God's power to this desert storm. So listen to how he describes it. 
uh, in verse 4 and 5. He says, the voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is majestic. The voice of the Lord breaks the cedars. He breaks the cedars, the pieces of, of the cedars. In, he breaks in pieces the cedars of Lebanon. Now, the cedars of Lebanon, some of you may know, they could grow as, as big as 120 feet tall, 30 feet in diameter. And what David is saying is that a mere whisper, God is so powerful that a mere whisper of his voice can shatter those trees, those giants, into mere kindling. Verse 6 says, he makes Lebanon leap, leap like a calf and Syrian like a young wild ox. Mount Syrian, 9,000 feet high. David said God's voice is so powerful that it can make the land and the mountains quiver and dance. Verse 7, the voice of the Lord strikes with flashes of lightning. Uh, lightning travels at 186,000 miles per second. And can reach temperatures approaching 54,000 degrees Fahrenheit, which, by the way, and you probably know this, but it can fuse sand into glass uh, when it strikes. And within a fraction of a second, lightning releases 100 million volts of electricity. And David says that words from the lips of God is far more powerful than the 44 plus or minus five, strikes around the world on any given second, right, in our world, that his voice is just more powerful than that. Verse eight, the voice of the Lord shakes the desert. The Lord shakes the heart of Kadesh. Kadesh is in the south. Mount Syrian is in the north. David is saying there's no place you can go. He's everywhere. His power is everywhere. You cannot get away from or escape the power of God. Verse nine, the voice of the Lord twists the oaks and and strips the forest bare. You know, the National Weather Service uh, has confirmed that 15 tornadoes touched down on Memorial Day weekend. You know that through Monday here in Dayton. The largest was an EF4, which carries winds up to 170 miles an hour. And David is saying that's child's play compared to God's power. That, that's nothing. That an utterance from God would be enough to flatten 815 million acres of the Amazon rainforest. That's how powerful God is. And I give you all that because I want you thinking about what that means in our lives. Look at this quote. Charles Allen said, it's on your notes. When you say a situation or a person is hopeless, you're slamming the door in the face of God. When you say that it's beyond God, you just slam. God has power you wouldn't believe. It's, it's terrifying power. I like what Ronnie Shake said. He said, I fear one day I'll meet God and he'll sneeze and I won't know what to say. His power and his presence, they are awe-inspiring. And the natural response, what would the natural response of a human being be in the face of this breathtaking, awesome power of God? The rest of verse 9, check this out. David says, and in his temple all cry glory. In other words, when we begin to think through how powerful God is, how can we not, uh, his power and how strong and how breathtaking he is, how can we not worship him? To which someone in the room has to be thinking, maybe many people, maybe most people in the room are thinking to themselves, you know, not new information, right? Why are we going over all of this? I know God is powerful. What does that have to do with me? It's the last verse in Psalm 29. There's this surprise ending that David puts in his song. 
He says, the Lord gives strength to his people. The Lord blesses his people with strength. So he's saying, not only is God an all-powerful God, but God doesn't want to keep his power to himself. The first one you already knew. You already knew Jesus is this all-powerful God, but you need to make sure you get this second part because this is equally, maybe even more important to us today. Jesus isn't just all-powerful. He's an empowering God as well. In other words, he's powerful, but he says, I want to share my power with you. I want to give you the power to deal with the things that are going to come at you in life, which is why when Paul writes to Timothy at the end of the New Testament, he says, for the spirit of God uh, gave us, does not make us timid, but gives us what? Power. Wow. That was about as weak uh, saying the word power, I think maybe uh, in human history. So let's, but he does make us timid, but gives us Power. Yeah, there we go. Love and self, self, that's kind of scary, uh, self-discipline. He wants to equip us. He wants to empower you. And the result is that we will find peace when we're panicking. That when we come to the end of ourselves, when we are empty, we will find endurance and we will find courage when we would, our natural response would be to be cowardly. And there are three reasons and you already know why this is important, but I'm going to remind you as we move through this. The first one is this. I need Jesus's power to get me through what I can't get through on my own. The things I just cannot do on my own. And you have heard people say this. I don't know how they would get through this without God. And that was so fresh in my mind yesterday. This room was full as family and friends came to Remember the life of a 17-year-old young man who had passed. And maybe even as I say those words to you, you are thinking to yourself, how does anybody get through that, right? How do they get through that without God? Which is why God says this, by the way, to us through the Apostle Paul, my grace is sufficient for you because when you are weak, that's when my strength comes pouring through you. There are things in this life you and I are not strong enough to handle on our own. And God says, it's okay. I'm strong enough to do that through you. And I want to do that. Mary Crowley said this, every evening I turn my worries over to God. He's going to be up all evening anyway. Right? Listen, here's the second reason. I need Jesus' power so I can avoid doing what I know I shouldn't do. So I can avoid. There are things we we need help not doing those. I don't know if you remember Calvin and Hobbes are not from the comics. They're my all-time favorite. Great theology, by the way, uh, from a little boy and his stuffed tiger that only comes to life when no one else is around. But Calvin asked uh, Hobbes, do you believe in the devil? You know, a supreme evil being dedicated to the temptation, uh, uh, corruption, and destruction of man. And his tiger says, yeah, I'm not sure man needs the help. You know what I'm saying? I don't know if you feel like Sam Levinson ever. He said, lead us not into temptation. Just tell us where it is. We'll find it on our own. <laughs> you know, <laughs> listen, when we get into trouble, we know what we shouldn't be doing. When we get in trouble, it's hardly ever. Really? I didn't know I shouldn't have done it. That's hardly ever the case. But it's like we lack the power not to do it, which is why Paul reminded us in this letter that he wrote to the church in Corinth, no temptation is irresistible. You can trust God. He's made this promise. He will keep the temptation from becoming so strong that you can't stand against it because he's promised this. And if God has promised it, he will do what he says. Sometimes we need that help. Here's the third. 
I need Jesus' power so I can do what I know I should do. I need to be able to do the things I know I should do. Sometimes I've struggled with that too, right? You ever go to church and hear someone or, or talking or you read something or, or you, you, know, you overhear something and you say, well, I want to be like that. I, I, I want to I, I be a man or a woman of character uh, or integrity. I want to be like that or I, I, I want to be that kind of husband. I want to be that kind of wife or I want to have that kind of family or I, I want to I be that kind of generous. I want to be that kind of caring. I want to be that kind of strong. And you hear how God wants us to live, and it makes sense, and you agree. You know and you agree it's the best way to live. But if you're like me, one of your thoughts is, I just don't think I can do that. That seems beyond me to be able to do that. And then the preacher drops a verse like this. If anyone then knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it, it's sin for them. And maybe you see a verse like that and you think, great, God's got me coming and going. I can't, you know, the things I want to do and then the things I don't want to do and I just can't seem to pull it off. And you're right, by the way, you can't. The truth is all of us need God. All of us need God's power if we're going to consistently grow in godly character and virtue. And sometimes what God is calling us to do seems bigger than us. You know, last week, if you were here, I mentioned that Haley... Kennedy, uh, and in the second service, I said, Haley Henry, by mistake, her maiden name, Sean, I know you're in the room, her husband, I'm really sorry about that, uh, but uh, I said that Haley would be joining me up on the platform today, so Haley, I know you're in the room somewhere, I'm trusting you're in the, there you are, okay, I was going to say, I'm trusting you're in the room, uh, but she's joining back-to-back -back ministries, which back-to-back -back has helped children in distress have just been in horrible life situations around the world, several countries, and now they're coming to the U.S. to bring to the U.S. what they've been doing already for children around the world, and they're coming actually to Cincinnati because their headquarters has always been in Mason, Ohio, so they're going to start in Cincinnati. So I wanted to give you a chance to meet Haley, to see her, and to hear just a little bit from her about what's going on with that. So let's start with uh, how long you've been here at MCC. So I've been at MCC um, since middle school. Um, I got really involved with our youth group um, throughout middle school and high school. I went to like every Butler Springs Christian camp opportunity I possibly could have. Um, and I am just really excited that my husband and I can continue to grow here and serve here and give back to a place that was so important with my spiritual development. Yeah, so like he didn't take that personally that I said, Haley, this is like big work. <sighs> Doing okay it's with It's fine. Just making sure. It's okay. fine. All it's right. fine. I need him come looking for me afterwards. All right. How did you get connected to Back to Back? So I first went on a Back to Back mission trip in 2016 um, through MCC. We went to Monterey, Mexico. Um, I had just graduated from college with my bachelor's degree in psychology and addictions counseling. Um, and I just remember going and being really impressed with Back to Back Ministries because they're very intentional about teaching short-term mission guests how to best help children who have been severely traumatized. Um, and that was just right up my alley as far yeah, as my- that plays into your degree work and yeah. So I went on two other mission trips the following summers while I was in grad school um, for clinical mental health. And so when I heard that they were opening a campus in Cincinnati, I was like, oh, my gosh, like this is perfect. It's my passion and my education all in one. OK, so perfect passion, education, everything. We're talking about God being almighty. Well, is there anything about this that seems overwhelming to you when you look at it? And 
so everything is overwhelming about it. (laughs) (laughs) I think, I mean, I've been in the mental health field for two years now, and I get to sit with kids who have been through abuse and trauma and neglect um, and lots of different experiences. And time and time again, I find myself not knowing the right thing to say or um, thing to do. But I know that what they really need from me is for me to pray for them and pray with them and tell them about the one who can bring true healing and restoration to their stories. And so I'm just happy that I get to be that for them. Yeah, I do, you know, in sitting down with people, I, the thing that hurts the most is knowing there's no magic words uh, that I can say and sprinkle over this situation and it's fine. I would think you find the same thing uh, to be true as well. All right, so... Um, why are you doing this? So you've got this career path that is very promising. Why are you making this switch to back to back now? When what you, I mean, you could really take off in what you're doing. So why are you making this switch? Yes, I ask myself that frequently. <laughs> I think, I mean, the short answer is it's just where God's called me to. Um, I made the decision to go to back to back, and He has just continuously affirmed that decision throughout my time, um, support raising and things like that. And now, I've mentioned that our Christmas offering is going uh, toward Haley and helping her get started. What are, and you're going to be out in the lobby here uh, after the service if you have any questions or you want to talk to her or anything. But beyond the Christmas offering, which we're going to do, uh, how else can we be a best help? What can we do to help you? So two ways. Um, the first way is to join me spiritually. Um, I need all of the prayer that I possibly can get. Um, prayer for the kids, prayer for our ministry, um, and prayer for myself. Um, just working with the kids, I really need um, spiritual and emotional support. Um, the second way would be um, to join my monthly or annual support team to support me financially so I can go and do the work that God's called me to in Cincinnati with these children. Um, I am super close to being fully funded, which means I am thinking I might be able to start January 6th. I've got about $500 a month in monthly donations left. To okay, raise. to be clear, $500 a month doesn't have to be one person for 500 right? Right. It could be 50 people for 10 It could. It could be 10 people for 5 It could, yes. Anyway. 50. 10, nope. Oh, no. I went way beyond my own math. I just trusted so, you in that moment. Yeah, there's and no I said, reason yes, to. I wasn't. Uh, yeah, thanks. I appreciate that. So, but $500 a month is what we're getting. Right. Yes. Between uh, multiple people, perhaps. So, but uh, and so good. Okay. So, if you'd like to talk to Haley about that, then I want to encourage you. What we're going to do right now, we're just going to stop before I send you back. I'm going to pray for you, cool. and then uh, and then we'll keep going. God, thanks for Haley and what you've done in her own life, in her heart, how you have prepared her as one of your daughters, as a mighty woman of God who will stand on your behalf uh, with these kids. Some of them, they just can't even imagine a future that looks any different than their past. And because you will speak into their lives, you will reach into their lives through Haley. God, they can't rewrite the beginning, but they can begin to rewrite the end of their story now. And so, God, thanks for her and what you have already done in her and through her and what you will continue to do that we get to be part of. So thank you, God that and we pray this in your son Jesus name amen thanks Haley uh, okay I mentioned she's gonna be out there the our Christmas offering to help her um, I think you said that you're about sixteen thousand dollars if we raise sixteen thousand man that would like do it right 
And, uh, and I'm excited about I'm excited that we get to be a part of what God is doing. Someone in, in Cincinnati is praying for help. We get to be part of that answer uh, of God in their, in their life. So uh, I'm glad we get to help her close the gap. So for what Haley is getting ready to do, she's wanting to do in Jesus' name, for some of us on a day-to-day basis, just following Jesus and the things that can stand in our way, and honestly, for others of us in the room, just getting through December, right? With what's been going on in our lives, what we're dealing with right now in our hearts, just making it through the end of this month. How do we tap into this power that Jesus has promised to us that he has that he wants to give us? You ready? Here we go. Uh, so for some of us, this is your next step if in your faith uh, to receive Jesus' power. I just need to remind myself of Jesus' power and presence, right? I need to be reminded. I don't know if it's true of you or not, but sometimes I over-awfulize the circumstances I'm in. By the way, over-awfulize is a trademarked word uh, for me. And, uh, but I can, sometimes I can make my circumstances seem so bad in my mind that not even God has a chance. I don't know if you ever do that or not. Perhaps part of our weakness is caused by forgetting that we serve in an omnipotent God. He has this crazy track record with people for coming through when those who are his children call on him. And we need to read the Bible to remember that. Look at 1 Chronicles 16. Study God and his strength. Seek his presence day and night. Remember all the wonders he has performed, the miracles and judgments that come out of his mouth. In other words, go back and remember, look at, see what God has done, how he worked with Moses to give him what he needed to stand against Pharaoh of Egypt. And then he took on a giant through David, and then he saved a nation through Esther, and then he won a a military battle through Deborah, and how he wrote to us today still through the Apostle Paul. Remember God's track record with people. And it's all over the Bible, all the way back in Deuteronomy. Moses uh, would write this, Sovereign Lord, you have begun to show your servant your greatness and your strong hand. For what God is there in heaven or on earth who can do the deeds and mighty works that you do. And all the way at the other end of the Bible in the New Testament, Paul would write to the church in Ephesus, now to him, God, who is able to do immeasurably more. You can't even imagine what what your imagination runs wild with. Isn't even close to what God can do according to his power that is at work within us. And then Joshua, before he begins his first battle with the Israelites, Old Testament again, they're outside the walls of Jericho. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Don't be afraid. Don't be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Think about that. Why shouldn't we be afraid? Why shouldn't we be discouraged? Because the Lord our God is with us wherever we go. The important thing to remember is not only has God helped these heroes through history to do great things, stories that we've heard, he has proximity to your life today and the power that he has offered in the past that we read about and marvel at he wants to offer you today for what you are going through here's the second maybe this is your next step in your faith but i need to admit my weakness often when a crisis comes when we're in the midst of temptation our reaction is to muscle right through it right Listen, i got to do something here. I'm going to make this happen myself. When John the Baptist's followers were concerned because Jesus was becoming more popular than John, 
He said in John chapter 3, verse 30, and uh, I've shared this before, but this is something I pray every day for myself because I know that if I don't become less and he fills me more and more, I don't stand a chance. But this is what John said. He said, he must increase and I must decrease. And we need the same thing in our lives. We have to have that same attitude that John had, recognizing where our strength comes from. We cannot be filled with the power of God until we first empty ourselves of the presence of me. This pretense that we can do this on our own. We need to admit to him, I cannot get through this tragedy. I cannot resist this temptation. I cannot do what the Bible tells me I need to do apart from your power in my life. Somebody once said, you never really know God is all you need until God is all you've got. Here's the next one. Maybe your next step in your faith, I need to reevaluate my agenda. I have to reevaluate my agenda. And here's what I mean by that. When Jesus is speaking to his apostles, he tells them in John chapter 15, I am the vine and you are the branches. In other words, there's this unique connection between a branch that wants to bear fruit and the vine. And honestly, apart from the vine itself, the branch doesn't do anything. It has to be connected. Jesus says, so if you remain in me, and I remain in you, you will bear much fruit. He will give you the power to accomplish these things that on your own you can't do because apart from me, you can do nothing. In other words, when we are independently pursuing our own agenda, why would we expect that God is going to necessarily empower us to do our thing in our way? Rather than asking him, what do you want to do in me and through me? We need to make sure we're walking down the road that God wants us to walk. And if we're walking down that road, God will give us the power to keep taking one step after the other. Even when the next step seems so unsure, we can't see it. We don't understand it. We don't like it. God will give us the power and the strength to endure Here's the next one. I need to ask Jesus for the power that I need. Don't beat around the bush. Don't circle the barn. Just ask. Don't pretend. Don't flower it up. James 4 says, you do not get what you want because you do not ask God. And he has this power waiting for you. But if you don't ask, you're not going to get it. Not because he's mean about that. Not because he's holding it saying, yeah, if you want it. He wants to make sure you understand where it's coming from because you might mistakenly think you did it on your own and forget about him who is helping you with your life. Listen, if you've never sur surrendered yourself to Jesus, because earlier I said if you're a follower of Jesus, doing these things will put you in a place for God to rescue you. But if you have never, if you have never surrendered yourself to Jesus, he has come to rescue you too. I don't know if it's still there. Several years ago in Louisville, there was a family who decorated their yard for Christmas. And on one side of the yard, they had this brightly lit manger scene. And the sign in front of it said, God's gift to man. On the other side of the yard was this brightly lit cross. And it said, God's gift for man. Some of their neighbors, some of his neighbors began to complain about it. They said, what does the cross have to do with Christmas? Listen, without the cross, 
There is no Christmas. Without the cross, there is no purpose for Christmas. Paul would write to the church in Rome and remind all of us, even still today, we all have sinned. All of us fall short of the glory of God. Please don't look around the room and think, oh, those people got it all together. I bet they talk to God all the time. I bet they always do what's right. They never do what's wrong. Their marriages are wonderful. Their children are all saints. Blah, 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 blah. That is not true. We struggle like everybody else in the room, which is why I want to make sure that I remind you of this. Jesus is the mighty God who has come from heaven to rescue You and me. When Joseph first heard the news that Mary was going to have a baby, he was shocked because they weren't married and he knew that child wasn't his. And so Matthew tells us that he was going to divorce her. He was going to leave her. And an angel intervenes and speaks to Joseph and says, Joseph, son of David, don't be afraid to take Mary home as your wife. Because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She's going to give birth to a son. And you're going to give him the name Jesus. Because he's going to save his people from their sins. So here's the thing. I want to make sure you get this. God grants you the freedom to trust in him and be rescued. Or, or, or you can choose not to believe in him. And be separated from him forever. He will not violate your free will. A few moments ago I said, this is how you tap into Jesus' power if you're a follower of his. Because he told his followers, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. James Chauncey, Dr. Chauncey wrote this, it's on your notes. God never burglarizes the human will. He may long to come in and heal, but he will never cross the picket line of unwillingness. God wants to rescue you, but he will not kidnap you against your will. And if you've never made that decision, by the way, and please read that as more than coming to church. People who have given their lives to Christ and go to church, but not everyone who goes to church has given their life to Christ. Does that make sense? So if you are here this morning, listen, thank you for being here, and you've put yourself in a great place to sort of figure this thing out, but if you've never given your life to him, going to church doesn't get you into heaven. Jesus gets you into heaven, and you have to give your life to him. The late Harry Reasoner of TV's 60 Minutes once wrote this, it's on your notes, about Christmas. He said, if a Christian is touched only once a year, that touching is still worth it, and maybe on some given Christmas... Some final quiet morning, the touch will take. And so we tell the story again and again and again because our hope is that this story will take, that Matthew tells us, that you will name him Jesus because he's going to save his people from their sins. And so each week we stop in our worship as an act of worship to remember That without the cross, there is no Christmas. And he came to rescue all of us. And so we're going to hold this piece of bread and this cup of juice. And and we're we're going to remember his body that was broken for us on the cross and his blood that was shed for us for our sins. He came for our 
sin that they might be taken away to rescue us, to give us power to live here and a place to live when we leave this life. Let's go to him in prayer. God, thank you so much for how much you love us. And sometimes we don't even get it. It's just kind of hard to believe that, that knowing us, you would still love us. Because there are moments in our lives we don't even love ourselves. And we've heard bad things about you. We've heard false things about you, someone else's impression or interpretation of who you are. But when we look at your word, we see that you are a God of love. And Jesus, that you would give up heaven to come to earth as a person so that you could understand who we are and lead a sinless life and still be crucified for our sins. It's hard to imagine that anybody could love us that much, but thank you so much for that. And as we celebrate your birth, we never want to separate it from why you came, that you might give your life as a ransom for many. So God, as we remember that now, help us to draw near to you that we might receive the power to live our life in a way that shows others that we belong to you. Not perfectly, not sinless, never, not never making a mistake, none of those things. But that we might be faithful. God, may this moment honor you. Thank you for rescuing us. And we say this in Jesus' name.